Hi, this is Eva and Jean Charles with the Black on Black Education podcast. This episode, we sit down with Mr. Dante Mills, an attorney fighting injustice in our schools. I hope you enjoy. Okay, good afternoon. How you doing? Good, good um, So if you can start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, your name, what you do for a living, that would be really helpful. Dante Mills. Dante uh, is what I go by, obviously. Uh, I'm an attorney. I handle all different types of cases. Uh, civil rights cases is at the forefront of what I do, uh, which includes uh, cases involving students uh, who did not receive the proper treatment in school, whether uh, it's by other students, whether it's by school personnel or officials. And we've kind of made a name for ourselves for making sure that there's a policy in place wherever that happens to not only address the student that was affected immediately, but just moving forward to make sure that there's things in place uh, for the school board and the school district to address similar concerns from other students. Okay, awesome. Um, So last time I saw you, I heard you speak at a conference and you spoke about uh, changing children's mentality surrounding the importance of learning and the importance of school. Um, So could you just tell me a little bit more about, for you, what the importance of school has been for your uh, life trajectory and uh, kind of advice that you have for other students who are struggling to understand how important learning in school is? Sure. I think the most important thing, and this is something that I talk about all the time whenever I have the opportunity, um, and you touched on it a little bit, it's just controlling the narrative. Uh, And the students that we have, we want to make sure that they understand that they can do truly whatever they want, they can truly be whoever they want to be, that they're capable of it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times in our school systems, and especially when we're talking about in urban areas or or minority children, they're made to believe that there's a cap or a limit Mm -hmm. to what they can achieve. I think it's important to set the tone as early as possible, where you let them know that there is no no limit, that they're capable of of learning anything, that they're capable of excelling in any type of situation, Mm -hmm. in any career path. Uh, I think part of that is showing them other people that's excelled that look like them, that that are them. Mm -hmm. But in addition to them seeing individuals, that's that's one thing, and that's a key component, but the other thing is they have to believe that they are one of those uh, same individuals. Um, A lot of times in our neighborhoods, we have the token couple of people who, quote-unquote, make it out. Um, And most people think that that's just not them. Mm -hmm. That's not, you know, they weren't blessed to be (laughs) one of the few, but that's not true. Yeah. I think everybody has the ability to do it. Uh, obviously, it takes a lot of hard work and, and grit and determination. We have a, a few extra hurdles and obstacles that we have to jump over uh, that other people do not. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we're capable of, of learning just like anyone else. Um, we're capable of mastering anything that we do just like anyone else, but we just have to be made to believe it. Yeah. And so um, something that you said that really struck me was the idea that um, students think that there's a cap on, like, how many people can make it out or yeah, how many people yeah. um, are, are meant to be successful as if as if potential isn't isn't evenly distributed across uh, lines of race and socioeconomic status. So um, for you, what kind of was that was that thing that made you kind of understand that there is no cap and that you don't have sort of a this is how successful I can be, and I kind of have to stop there. Like, for you and your personal life, how is that? 
how did that I can tell you what did it for me is I had uh, throughout uh, my childhood uh, and even into you know my teenage years and, and my early adult life it really made a difference for me that I had people who simply believed in me mm-hmm. uh, and constantly told me that I have potential um, that I can be you know those kind of things truly made a difference I think without that Maybe you do fall into the trap, or and, and speaking specifically for me, maybe I would have fell into the trap of trying to simply master what was available in my neighborhood as opposed to branching out uh, if I didn't have people constantly letting me know that I can be one of those who do. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's a double-edged sword because, like I said, I was made to feel special, but at the same time, when other people are hearing or seeing me being told that mm-hmm. and not them, then yeah. they just kind of fall into or assume, okay, he's the one from my group that's going to Got excel, it. not me. Um, so there's a fine line, and, and you want to make uh, sure that everybody understands they are special in their own way, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, you don't want to exclude anyone uh, from, from feeling that. Yeah. So it's difficult to do because a lot of times you just don't have – like I said, I was blessed to have a number of people who took interest in what I was doing, um, who shielded me and protected me from other things that were going on and, and would say, listen, you're coming with me today because <laughs> there's just a bad feeling in the neighborhood and I don't want you to be caught up in it. Got it. Um, so how do we expand that yeah. to include more people so that you know uh, it's not just few and far between or one or two uh, who feel special, but, but we're, we're bringing along as many people as possible. Yeah, so in talking about that, um, I kind of want to get into the the system of education and how um, our public education system, in my opinion and the opinion of, of other people who I've spoken to, is that it's lacking that. It's kind of lacking that um, giving students that, especially minority students and especially um, students who are in high violence areas and areas where um, that's predominantly minority people that what they're we're lacking a sense of high expectations for students and so as someone who has taken an initiative to work in this space and understanding that education the understanding the importance of education and taking that with you into what you've chosen to do for your career path how what what if you could give advice to a teacher right now of a teacher that is stressed out and has a classroom full of of minority students low-income students what would your advice to that teacher be to find something individual about each one mm-hmm. that separates them from mm-hmm. everybody else and you just highlight that mm-hmm. and say okay it's powerful you see this is this is what you're capable of this is you're shining in this in this area mm-hmm. um, so if you put the right attention to that, if you develop that, that means that you will continue to grow and develop and shine in that area, and you'll lead the pack. Um, but it has to be individual. Yeah. And I think part of that is when you don't have minority, and especially we're talking about uh, black male teachers and things mm-hmm. like that, um, you have people that are coming from outside of the neighborhood, outside of the area, it's not easy for them to identify individual characteristics that separate minority students. Mm -hmm. Anyone who isn't exposed to something uh, for a long time or in a meaningful way 
it's hard to tell the minute differences or, or what mm-hmm. distinguishes one from another. If if I if I see a pasture full of sheep, I've never been around sheep. They're all going to look alike to me. Yeah. But if I'm a you know a, a sheep herder, <laughs> um, then I can tell each individual sheep apart, mm-hmm. and I can know okay this sheep has a spot on his left leg. This sheep, and and, and that's what we have to do in our community. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It translates. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know we're shipping in people who can't tell us apart. Yeah. Um, and that means they're unable to identify what makes us special. That's that's powerful. Um, and I don't know if I ever thought of it in that particular way. Um, I know for me, similar to you, I had people in my life growing up that always made me feel special and always told me, like, you got this. You can mm-hmm. do this. We're here for you. And so when I have conversations with, I go to John Jay. I go to Acuna School. It's predominantly um, Hispanic and black students at my school. And so we have conversations and I'm, I'm like seeing the differences between the way that they grew up and the way that I grew up. And I'm just like, I'm so happy that you're here, but how do we fix you having that situation where you had a teacher who told, told you you were dumb and just left it at that and kind of kept it there. Um, but that's definitely powerful. Like finding what that thing is. Everybody has something that makes them special. Yeah. Everybody does. It's just a matter of figuring out what What it it is. is. Yeah. And if you don't have anyone interested enough in helping you do that, you're kind of left to your own devices. Mm-hmm. Um, some people stumble upon it. Um, you know, they get lucky and just happen to to figure out what they're good at. Uh, but a lot of people never figure it out. Yeah. Um, so they go their entire life thinking that there's nothing special about them. Mm-hmm. And that's a, you know, that's a sad way to live. Yeah. Uh, and it's also, it, it prevents you from... Um, really shining or developing or, or, or distinguishing yourself because you just never found out what it is that you're good at. Yeah. So how did you find that for um, that it was law for you? I mean, I always had the ability to reason and, and be very analytical, uh, just the way that I that I view things. And again, I think people picked up on that um, just in you know my day to day responses and, and just the way I handle situations. Um, but I was lucky in that regard. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that if they didn't, that I wouldn't be where I'm at now because I would like to believe that I could have figured it out myself. But you know, what? Well, thankfully, I didn't have to yeah. Yeah. see. You know, I didn't have to yeah. test that um, because I had people that were pushing me along. And I mean, I grew up in Hunting Park in North Philadelphia, which is a very um, it, it's it's a uh, they would classify it as, as it's a very low-income area, all, all minorities, um, but we do have people in our community that uh, set out to make uh, the, the, the youth in the community mm-hmm. better, um, and I think that's also a component, too, outside of school, and we had this conversation, I think, at the, at the event, so it's one thing when you're looking at schools and teachers, and obviously we need to make sure that we have our own teaching our own so they can identify, but if, up and until that happens, but even after it does, uh, we want to recognize that there's people in the community who do that as well. You know, people are quick to say, oh, this is a bad neighborhood, there's nothing good here. Um, and you always hear the term, you know, people saying, oh, I came from nothing, but <laughs> that's just not true. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I, you know, I know people would describe my neighborhood that way, but I don't see it that way because mm-hmm. there were people in my neighborhood uh, who pushed me along and made sure that I was protected, made sure that I had the tools that I needed. Um, 
you know, we had situations where I was an exchange student and my mom and dad couldn't afford to send me. And it was people in my neighborhood that donated $10, $5 and collectively put up enough for me to go. Um, so the other part of it is just acknowledging the people in our communities who take that role and not simply saying, well, these are bad places or there's nothing here. Because then that that just, why would someone stick their neck out uh, if they're going to be categorized as a nothing? Yeah. Um, I think we want to encourage people to, to, to look for that yeah. um, in our own communities. Yeah. Um, me, me and my dad talk a lot about um, taking ownership over our communities, and, and that's a huge part of it. Um, I... I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, so I didn't I didn't necessarily I, going to school. I didn't have to worry about finding outside resources to help me get everything that I needed. It was all in that building. But um, like I said, friends that I've talked to community centers and like all of those things have been transformative in their educational process. And I think sometimes we, we lose sight of that in in um, we'll talk about all the problems and then forget to talk about the really good stuff and the things that people are doing to Absolutely. make people's lives better. And I think that that's an important key component that we have to remember. And if you're somebody in the community that wants to help people and wants to, you know, stick your neck out and, and, and identify these, uh, you know, the, the special qualities in different children. But like I said, you're being beat down mm-hmm. every day by, by people saying there's no one there. There's no one in this community that's doing that. Really, it kind of it, it dims your fight a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that you should do it for the recognition. But it's important to recognize those people uh, because what it does is it highlights them and it, and it really spawns more uh, of people where now it's a, it's a thing that they want to kind of take on someone uh, and push them further. And that's, that's really how we grow as a community. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of, I'm, I love rap music, I love R&B music, but if we bigged up our community leaders the same way that we do uh, the basketball players and all Absolutely. this stuff, it, what, what would it, what would... Um, what would it look like? What would our communities look like if we if we invested the same energy and time and money into into those people? So I, that's a and really I do great think point. and again I don't want to just take away from change and movement that's happening. I mm-hmm. do think that right now the situation is getting much better, where even the rappers and things that you talked yes, about absolutely. are kind of being forced to 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 be socially aware mm-hmm. um, and recognize that it's not all about one of your girls mm-hmm. or whatever or drugs that you're pushing that you really have to be positive you see a lot of more rappers uh, speaking out even if they're not doing it on every song which it's entertainment mm-hmm. um, so there's no requirement that they do Absolutely. but just recognizing that people are listening to what you say and mentioning that you know uh, the important things in our neighborhood like being aware being responsible uh, getting an education, I think that's being pushed more to the forefront. Absolutely. Jay-Z just just doing it. I mean, it's controversial. Some people like it, some people don't. But Jay-Z just, um, his his new deal, Cardi B sitting down with Bernie Sanders. So we have yeah. we definitely have people and listen, doing I would it. Much rather, and, and you don't want, controversy is a good thing because yeah. it keeps people talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would much rather the controversy be over a black entrepreneur uh, <laughs> expanding a business as opposed to someone getting locked up or, or something like that. So if that's the topic of conversation, then we're further along than we were before because that's just not what was happening. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, so my last question is just about what things and organizations are you are you excited? So we kind of like touched on it a little bit just now, but what things and, and organizations are you most excited about um, toward 
that we're moving toward in education and in um, in our communities in terms of community involvement and people um, understanding how important education is? Are there any organizations or people that you've been working with that you see moving in a, a really positive direction? I do. Um, really, all the organizations that, that you see that are making a difference in that part are, are really highlighting the need for minority teachers, mm-hmm. um, and specifically black male teachers. Um, and there's a really big push. Um, there's a lot of organizations where they're actually hunting and searching mm-hmm. um, for black males to, to step into the classroom and, and enter that arena uh, so that they can be that role model. So that's in school. Um, also, um, you see a push to, for the conversations and classes uh, to be more inclusive. Uh, and, and inclusive in a lot of ways where you're talking about um, it seemed as if the curriculum was based around uh, a, a white person in middle, middle America. Every story that you read, every book that you were told to read, um, the, 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 the questions on exams and tests, mm-hmm. everything was based around uh, one group of people that you know, we just didn't identify with. Uh, and I think that in and of itself, when you're not learning about yourself, it, it takes away your passion for learning. I don't want to, not that I have anything against anybody else, but I'm not impassioned to, to, to learn their history. I want to learn mine. Yeah. Uh, I want to read, you know, essays about me and my people and what we're doing, um, things that I can relate to. And I think that there's been a change for that. Going as far as on the SATs or the ACT or LSAT, including questions um, that are more diverse, mm-hmm. uh, just the question itself, uh, whether the answer is the same or the, the, the uh, way you get to an answer is the same. But if you're reading about something you relate to, uh, it just comes more natural and it relaxes you. So I think there's a push all the way around, both with, with professors, with teachers, um, both with the content of what we're learning. Uh, and that's in school. And then I think outside of school, uh, one thing that I've been a part of and we're actually in my neighborhood in Hunting Park, we're getting the rec center rebuilt. Um, and I think that there's been a big push in, in the community centers to really include more classes for kids. I know in the rec center that we're, we're getting rebuilt. They're going to have cooking classes and first aid classes, things like that, that can expand someone's knowledge and, and just get them um, excited about learning. So that carries over into school. Um, and we want to create a situation where you're not, uh, if we change everything that happens in school, once the child gets home, we still want there to be safe spaces and positives and positive environments where they can go and continue to learn, continue to be challenged, be around other people that's, that's challenging them. Uh, and I think just that whole uh, system put together, you know, working in combination both in school and outside of school, uh, will really move everything in the right direction. Yeah, I definitely agree. When you were talking about the standardized test, they actually did a study. I was studying for the GRE almost all summer. So um, they did a study that that showed that if you put the the GRE almost exactly the same and gave it to a minority student, but it had W.E.B. Du Bois and James Baldwin and these different people, that when they put their work, the students did dramatically better. But and yet um, this testing, we're, we're, we're waiting for the testing people to be like, you know what, we we have to make this more inclusive so that there are so it's you're not blocked at the test before you even get into grad school. Yeah, before you even get into you're not engaged. Yeah. Um, and, and engagement obviously makes a difference. Absolutely. Um, that's what everybody, if you're reading a book that you're interested about, 
you breeze you through re- it. Absolutely. But if it's something you don't relate to, you don't really care about, it takes you forever, then you give up and, and now you're going unprepared because you couldn't get through that story because it had nothing to do with you. Yeah. I do think that there's, it's been recognized though. Mm-hmm. Um, and the textbooks are changing. Uh, you know, that content is changing. I think that will definitely go a long way. Yes, it's definitely important. I, and I and we're seeing it move in the right direction, which I'm really happy and excited about. So kind of moving to the end of our of our conversation, do you have any questions for me? So just, I mean, just tell me what your ultimate goal mm-hmm. is with the, uh, the podcast and, and, and what you want people to know. Um, so for me, when I kind of came up with the idea for black on black education, it was, I was sitting in class and they were taught and my professor was talking about black on black crime and, and, and just kept like repeating it throughout the whole class. And I'm just like, okay, got it. Like it's hard, terrible, but anytime that we talk about, or at least in my classes, I'm in social justice spaces a lot. And when we're talking, having the conversation about black people being in a room together, somehow it's always negative. There's never like I'm having a hard time finding when we're having a positive conversation about black people getting into a room together. And so that was kind of like where that idea spawned from. And the one day I I want black on black education to be a nonprofit. I want it to be a physical space like a community center where people can go and get classes and get tutoring and have the opportunity to get the things that they're not getting from school and or they're not getting from home to develop a black students who are seeing teachers who look like them and seeing people who are in spaces like them. So a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, kind of like taking that and putting it into a space where um, black people feel celebrated and feel excited to learn. And it's not, it doesn't feel like a chore, which I, when I have conversations with people, that's kind of what they think of when they think of education as a chore and it doesn't start at school and it doesn't end at school. So that's kind of like our yeah, goal. Absolutely. And it goes directly back to what I talked about mm-hmm. changing the narrative um, because right now I agree when you do hear <laughs> of a group of black people um, the images that cross even our minds yes. are positive and I think that that's one thing that we have to understand as well is we're not uh, immune to the narrative yeah so uh, people think that you know black people don't look at other black people the same way that, you know, some white people do, but that's just not true because the same images are put in front of us all day, every day. Absolutely. So I, even as a black guy who grew up in that neighborhood, I'm, I'm, it's considered a, a high crime area and all that, but I'm, I'm comfortable there probably more than anywhere else in the world because mm-hmm. I grew up there. Um, but I also know that if I'm walking down an alley or something in a, in a, in a couple of black guys are, What's going to pop in my mind? Mm-hmm. Everything that's put in front of me, the news, the, the media, the movies, uh, everything that I hear is going to pop in my mind just like it would a white person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when we start to control that narrative and make it so when you hear of a group of black people, the first thing you think about is not a gang or, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it changes everybody's perspective, including our own. Um, and we start to feel like we now have to be a part of the positive mm-hmm. uh, because being a part of the positive isn't always the coolest thing um, for us. Yeah. But just because what what's made to glamorize us mm-hmm. is is the drug dealing or, or getting money a fast way or a mm-hmm. quick way or you know that kind of thing where it's either sports and entertainment or something illegal. Yeah. Um, and if we're made to believe that that's what's cool, 
That's what we're going to gravitate to. But if we can change that narrative and say, no, this is who we are. Mm -hmm. This is what we're capable of. This is what we do. Um, Then that will, that's, that's what we'll gravitate towards. And it will, you know, it'll be a situation where it's not cool to cut school or it's not cool to get a bad grade because the rest of your peers in your class, you know, are, are, are mocking you because you got a C. Yeah. Um, not because you're the one studying extra hard or, or, or not hanging out with them because you're reading. Or you're, or you're talking white or you're... Absolutely. Like, we just... Absolutely. It comes full circle because when you... I've always been excited about learning. I've always been excited about reading. That's because at a, an early age, people told me that that was a cool thing. That was a good yes. thing. And so because I knew that, I carried that with me. And too many people don't know that. And too many people aren't brought up with reading a thousand books before they go to kindergarten yeah. or doing all that it's just we want it's, it's it's a, almost an unreasonable expectation though to just assume that they would know that mm-hmm. because you ultimately know what you're taught mm-hmm. um and and that really shows that the, the classroom itself just wasn't getting the job done uh if our people by the time that they're out of grade school doesn't believe that it's cool to read a book not going to really change. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, what are you doing with first and second graders that you're not making it clear that knowledge is, is power mm-hmm. and is, is a good thing? Um, how do you allow someone to leave elementary school without that belief? How do you allow them to leave elementary school without a routine of reading a book a month or whatever mm-hmm. it is? I mean, but but that's those aren't expectations that are set in our classrooms. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you just say, all right, listen, just get it done. Just do this. I know it's difficult. I know, like, if you're just conditioning people to feel that way, um, you're failing them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that's that's right where where that's the that's right where that's the sweet spot of right where we're going to end because that's absolutely true. And I hope that um, we move out of that direction and move into making education as fun as possible and as exciting as possible. I think we are. We're, mo- we're moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. No problem, it was a good conversation. (laughs) Thank you.